Amen. You can take your seats, folks. Thank you so much to um, Kathy and the team for leading us this morning. And it is great to be uh, gathering around the world of Word of God. You'll have to excuse me a little bit, folks. I'm a little bit dry this morning. Uh, Pastor Bill calls water preachers petrol. So um, I've got half a tank and uh, I'm ready to go. Hopefully that'll be enough to get through. Hey, wasn't it a great week last week, folks, for uh, those of you who could be with us when uh, Pastor uh, uh, Peter Burns from uh, the uh, Hornsby Community Church was with us. Uh, it really was uh, great to have him here at, at a church. Ha- Judy and I had him in our home. He had uh, dinner with us as a leadership team on uh, Saturday night and then wonderful opportunities throughout the day. And it was just great to hear people feeding back the various stories and interactions uh, that occurred. Uh, we had uh, one young girl who, who came forward for prayer at the end of the service last week and uh, just uh, presented herself before Peter as he invited people to do. And um, as he was praying for her, he just had uh, a vision of her writing in a journal. Uh, just just writing and, and it, he, he sensed it was in a journal and he, he shared that with her and I think it was fair to say she didn't actually know a lot about what that looked like or, or how that uh, operated but uh, she went away and, and was just moving around the place and then uh, uh, Ingrid Cottrell I think it was picked up a life journal without knowing any of this from that display out there and gave it to her. And she just felt that was an incredible confirmation of what had happened, rushed up to Peter and said, look what I just got given. Uh, And uh, I have a sense that those kind of things really, I mean, I dare say she'll never forget that. Uh, And that through that gift, that prophetic gift that she received, I believe God will release into her life a lifetime of journaling. And you're saying, well, what's journal? Well, a lifetime of, Jude's got one there, just interacting with the Word of God and writing down observations that sometimes never get read again and sometimes are read many times as God seems to impact. So that was a wonderful gift that she received and uh, I'd really love to have Peter back uh, in our church uh, at some stage and just enjoy that ministry again. So I trust that you did enjoy it. Look, as it turns out, um, it's an interesting series of events that flow in together with Peter's visit because for those of you reading our life journal uh, which is a reading plan that goes with our journal um, and I really encourage you to do that because you know the discipline of reading the word of God regularly and and doing it sort of in partnership with each other is is a great blessing and releases great power into our lives and those of you who read through the plan in June would have read the book of Acts which uh, really, um, I think you'd all agree, and I'm going to be talking about this today, is just an incredible story of the life of uh, the early church and and, how God moved and led uh, the first followers of Jesus uh, in those early stages when the church, in many senses, was having a growing reputation, but in many senses, in, in the general world, was really unheard of. But Uh, It was the start of something great. And as I reflected on uh, certainly near towards the ends of Acts uh, and what we talked about last week, I felt that um, it would be a great opportunity to talk about how the Holy Spirit guides 
in terms of as we follow after him, as we you know, work and walk through life. And uh, so that's what I want to preach on today and look at some of the uh, occurrences uh, that occur in Acts and how that uh, outworks itself. Um, the scripture tells us that uh, the Holy Spirit is playing a, a key role, if you like, in all of God's creation reaching a goal that that we are caught up in a move of God, if you like, towards um, uh, a, uh, a purpose. Uh, there's a word, a Greek word called telos, which means end or goal. Uh, so uh, uh, it, it, it gives us an indication that everything is heading somewhere. Now, uh, I don't think it's news to any of you. There's lots going on in the world. Did you know this? <laughs> in fact, today, and I can say, speak this as a, a former journalist, but the access to information uh, that we have today of all types from you know what's going on with the power supply to our home right through to you know what's happening in global affairs is unprecedented uh, and uh, the information flow is incredible and bringing it down to your world there's lots going on in your life too I'm sure you would agree and that can present us with uh, I think a challenge at times uh, to perhaps accept or believe or to understand or to agree uh, or to live as though all of those events in our world and in your life are actually going somewhere. Because we're often challenged with that assumption that uh, uh, the thought that God is in control and that the Holy Spirit is moving and flowing can be assailed from all different directions. The things that just simply happen in your little world in a given week can challenge that. And the things that happen in the world at large can threaten that idea. But I want to affirm it today and I want to really invite you to, if you like, go uh, on a particular journey uh, with the Holy Spirit, I guess, uh, to see how uh, this is outworked in the book of Acts. Because um, I've heard it said about the Christian church uh, that its future is constantly under threat and eternally guaranteed. That it's, it's stuck in this almost contradiction where the very gathering of the church in so many different places around the world seems under attack and, and seems at risk and yet there are more people alive today who proclaim and accept the name of Jesus Christ and honour and worship him than there's ever been in any other time in history. <laughs> so we've sort of got these two things going on. And many of you would have um, uh, you know, seen the uh, census figures that were released this week and you know, people parading and trumpeting that you know, there's more people than ever before have ticked no religion and uh, you know, comparing that and saying that that group had, you know, outstripped the um, uh, the uh, Catholic group, and it, it is quite confronting to see that figure rising. Uh, what, of course, some of them failed to do, I assume, accidentally or ill-informedly, was to add together, of course, all of the people, all of the Christian groups, which in Australia still reaches fifty-one percent when they're all added together. Not just look at the Catholic group, and. Uh, if you want to throw in other religions, there's still quite a lot of people who are identifying in that way. 
what the reduction in the number of people that identify as Christian means for our society. I think there's a bit of cultural uh, identification that went on perhaps 10, 20, 30 years ago. Now we might say, is that better than nothing? Well, that's a good question. I'm going to leave that up to God to answer that. Whatever people are identifying as, we certainly want them to be genuine and outworking their commitment with authenticity. It's possible that that number of people was higher than it was 50 years ago. Hey, I'm just saying. Maybe I don't know. God knows people's hearts better than we do, but it's interesting to look upon that. How do we get to the census? What's the trail back there, Judy, to what we were talking about? Okay, um, it had to do with God outworking his purposes. So sometimes in our lifetime, we can look at that change that's happened in my working life, really, and we can think, oh, you know, what's gone wrong? And God's, has he left and has he visited what's you know, happening and has he left Australia and whatever? But um, in the greater scheme of things, over the course of time, God is moving his creation, including people, towards a goal which is acknowledging him. And that stretches beyond our experience and beyond our lifetime. So um, in the book of Acts, and uh, if you look at the two things that Luke gave us, the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts, in the Gospel of Luke, the Lord Jesus is centre stage. Who is Jesus is a key question that Luke asks and answers in his Gospel. In the book of Acts... We move to not only the church, but the Holy Spirit is centre stage when it comes to the book of Acts. So Jesus, right at the start of the book, announces that, you know, I'm going back to the Father, but you'll be baptised in the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that takes over in the way that he governs. But the book of Acts uh, features lots of different events. On the one hand, history-making encounters with the people of God. And we'll look at some of those. In fact, there are some encounters in the book of Acts that still resonate today in the, uh, in the history of some countries that were touched in the book of Acts today. I'll tell you about those as we go through. But also, and this is where I want to encourage everyone here today, There are lots of ordinary looking moments in the lives of the people in the book of Acts where God was also equally as effectively at work. That while they may not have recognised at the time or even given much weight to a particular thing that was happening in in their life, God was at work. And I want to encourage you all today with that idea. I really want you to hang on to that. Because you might be tempted to think, well, Pastor, you know, when Peter Burns was here last week, I heard about this person and that person. Nothing much happened for me. It never seems to. I can't really tell you of a time I heard from God. Uh, You know, I don't know how I get to church sometimes. You, You could be in a category where, you know, you're thinking, I hear these stories about these dramatic things, but I sort of ain't got one. And the temptation is to think, I'm not really sure if God is really as at work in my life as maybe is in someone else's. And uh, that can be a real challenge to accept that. But I want to show you in the book of Acts that it's a range of experiences from the ordinary to the dramatic that are part of God guiding 
his church and his people. And that includes you if you've said yes to Jesus Christ. Life uh, is full of highs and lows. I think you all know that. Sometimes things that we can point out as miracles but also suffering. Uh, we, it seems that life is a mixture of wedding, weddings, funerals and everything else in between. That there's a lot of long stretches of what we might call the plain, even the boring, the ordinary, the mundane, uh, when we are uh, wondering how God is at work at that time. And I want to invite you to consider this morning that he absolutely is. And I want to show you that from uh, the book of Acts. Not only uh, the ordinary and the dramatic, but also at times God at work through the painful. God at work through suffering. God at work through experiences that we just can't fathom sometimes. Sometimes we even struggle to persevere through or believe that God is even involved in them in any way. But Acts shows us an amazing range of activity and experience that God works through. And I want to talk to you a bit about those uh, today. Okay, firstly, we're asked the question, how does the Holy Spirit guide? And this might seem like a fairly plain one to start off with. And you could say that I'm going in reverse. I'm going from mundane to dramatic uh, through this list today. But the first one I want to offer up is what you might call uh, through deliberation. Now this particular comment that's in front of you today comes after uh, what we might call the Council of Jerusalem when some members of the new church were saying to some uh, new believers that you have to follow all of the Jewish laws before or as you become a Christian, that you've got to be circumcised, you've got to do these rituals. And it was an issue at the, at the early stage of the early church that uh, threatened the very future of the church. In fact, I want to suggest, and, and some have suggested, that if the church had have caved in and said, you must do these Jewish things before you become a Christian, it almost certainly would have never expanded outside of Jerusalem because it it would have just been seen as a Jewish sect and it never would have went anywhere. But thankfully, people like the Apostle Paul and others knew that it wasn't the gospel, that uh, salvation was through faith alone uh, and that uh, they had to, if you like, get this nutted out at the highest level. So the Council of Jerusalem was held at the church and you could describe it as a long meeting. Now, I want to know here who has come out of a long meeting and said, there was the power of God in that place today. Has anyone, anyone ever had this experience? Lots of us get stuck in long, tedious meetings where the discussion seems to go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. At the end of it, we're contemplating either walking out the door or jumping out the window and we just think, how could this ever be a sanctified event that just happened that I was a part of? Where did those four or five hours of my life disappear to uh, and will I ever get them back again? There's no doubt that we take a very dim view of meetings at times and the discussion that's going on. But it's interesting that uh, after this meeting, you can read about it in Acts chapter 15, uh, 
that the communication that was sent uh, under the authority of James, uh, Jesus' brother who led the Jerusalem church, uh, was that it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And there were a couple of things that I'm not going to go into, but just related to how they should deal with food that had been offered to idols uh, and um, that they should stay away from sexual immorality. Pretty straightforward stuff. Not a whole list, just a couple of things that they could do uh, to bless as believers. But it's what they said that I want you to concentrate on. Because even though it was a meeting, even though it was uh, a big conversation, there were lots of people there, there's discussion on, they recognise and say that it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. In other words, the leader of the church at the time is saying the Holy Spirit was involved in this deliberation. Like Even though there was a lot of talking and a lot of discussion uh, basically, God was guiding us through our deliberations and this is the outcome that we believe the Holy Spirit is pleased with and that we are sending to you now. So I want to encourage everyone here that, you know, the Holy Spirit can work through a meeting. <laughs> as much as we hear it and we think, oh, that sounds so unspiritual, that sounds so, uh, you know, is that possibly true? Um, uh, how could that be so? In fact, sometimes we take a very dim view to any sort of, uh, if you like, discussion or strategizing, and we just think that can't be Holy Spirit inspired. Holy Spirit inspired's got to have a very quick time between inspiration and activation. In fact, we measure the spirituality sometimes of the distance in time between that and that, as though that's the only thing that God can work through. But in actual fact... Uh, I want to suggest to you, why should that be so? Consider there are some things that the Holy Spirit's been working on that have been taking years to unfold. The sending of a Messiah into the human population, into the world, was a project that literally took thousands of years. So even in that process, even over long periods of time, God is at work. And you've got some things that are unfolding in your life that you think are taking a long time, that you regard as being painful or boring or whatever, and you're about to declare that God's not at work in them, that God's on leave, that God's forgotten, that, that God's asleep. But I want you to understand today that there are some things in the life of the church and in your life that take time and that sometimes involve boring discussions. But still, the Holy Spirit is at work guiding those things, guiding that process and leading you towards an outcome and towards a point of purpose. So be encouraged today. Those of you stuck in meetings, perhaps uh, we still manage meetings. We have a, a team meeting, our ministry team meets every Tuesday. Uh, we decided that recently they were starting to go a bit too long. People were dying of starvation uh, in, as the early afternoon started. And someone said perhaps we shouldn't die of starvation because of this meeting, so we shortened it a little bit um, and uh, we have our leadership meetings. And, you know, sometimes there's no doubt meetings, you just think this has got to have a purpose, it's got to have a point. Uh, but uh, still God works through them and in the conversation and the outcome we can say by God's grace 
it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to do this. So be encouraged. If you're stuck in a meeting this week and you're thinking, God is not here, I'm believing that whatever it is, he wants something good to come out of it and that if you're there, the Holy Spirit's there and that he's working through it. So that's one thing, that's one way that the Holy Spirit guides through deliberation uh, and uh, through uh, that conversation that occurs. Now, let's start to ramp things up a little bit. Another way that the uh, Spirit leads is through circumstances and promptings. And this little um, passage in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 16, has captured people's attention for a long time because its language is quite vivid in the way that it ascribes activity to the Holy Spirit that sometimes we never really think about or or accept that the Spirit's involved. Uh, This is Luke talking about a time when he wasn't there because he's using the they language instead of the we language. And he says, Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept from the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, that is one of the most strangest things I've ever seen. I thought the Holy Spirit was all for preaching the word into all the corners of the earth. And yet here is Luke relating an experience when this group of people, Paul and his companions, one of the great preacher of the early church, are attempting to move into the region of Asia. And Luke's saying the Holy Spirit kept them from doing it. Now, it's interesting, he doesn't give much more information than that. On other occasions, we'll see in a minute, he says, the Holy Spirit said, and sometimes he'll even quote the words, or an angel of God told them to do this. But here he just says that the Holy Spirit kept them. So I want to invite you for a moment to think about what that might mean. Because I think there's something in there for us to think about perhaps how the Holy Spirit keeps us from doing seemingly good things. He goes on to say, When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Now I want to suggest to you that this has to be referring to a couple of things. Firstly, a prompting. So just a sense inside God's, God's just heavily on us not to do that. So it's either that or they looked at the circumstances that occurred. The cart lost a wheel. The camel died. You know, I don't know what they're using. Something happened and they just had a sense, we now we can't go there because of these circumstances. And in hindsight or in the moment they said, God has kept us from going to that place, that, that we have, we've been guided away from there, even though what we wanted to do was a good thing to do, to preach the word of God in Asia. Great, fantastic. Jesus commissioned it. So I want to invite you to reflect for a moment about all those times you experience something that perhaps frustrates your good plans. A set of circumstances that maybe block something we want to do as a church or something that you've set about doing in your life and your first reaction is, ah, like 
get out of my way. I want to go there. I want to do that. I, it's a good thing. Uh, you know, help me, Lord. What? And the temptation is to say in those circumstances that are blocking us, God's not at work. That's how we're tempted to think. But God is inviting us to reflect for a moment and say, maybe I'm in this more than what you're assuming and maybe I'm actually active in a way that's different. So we open ourselves up to that. Also, we are to be sensitive to promptings. Now, if you're walking around saying, I haven't heard from God, you know, there's been no audible voice, I see no light surrounding me like the road to Damascus, you know, I'm just, I'm just on my own, doing my own thing. Let me know when you hear from God audibly. Show me when it's written on a wall. Uh, if there's a bright light, I'm ready to recognise it. And you might be tempted to think, in the same way that you want to cast off the frustrating circumstances, that the Holy Spirit is not guiding you or leading you. But I want to say, at the invitation of the book of Acts, to be open to a prompting. Open to a prompting. If you're saved, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, we are invited to reflect on the promptings that guide us through life. And we need to uh, have confidence that God is able to guide us in that way and that God is able to guide us through circumstances that we might dismiss and regard as frustrating and not part of his plan. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 2 verse 15 uh, they show that the requirements of the law uh, are written on their hearts. There's a sense that the will of God is already with us and certainly so once the Holy Spirit is alive on the inside of us. Now after immediately after this moment of strange blockings of journeys through countries This happens. During the night, Paul has a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over here to Macedonia and help us. So there's the quote. It's a dream, it's a vision, and there's this statement that Paul definitely has got hold of. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. There's the quick response to the word concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Well, it didn't actually say that, but they got the will of Jesus, the Great Commission. That's what they're out there doing. They're assuming that help in this occasion looks like preaching the gospel. It's a reasonable thing to put together. So firstly, I want us to be alert to the fact that God can speak through dreams and visions. Um, I know uh, Ali and Andrew have reported often about people that they've ministered to in the Turkish region. Often God communicates to them in that way. Uh, And um, one of the first questions they'd ask someone who happened to ask about the faith was, have you had a dream uh, about Jesus? That was one that they used often. So they're aware of this, this kind of thing, and many of us are. But notice that this dream and this vision follows the blocking and the frustration. So if the disciples had have thought, we're not going to stand for this, get me another camel, fix that cart, we're going into Asia, and said this frustration, this circumstance, God's not in that, let's turn this thing upside down, let's just go in, 
then the second part of the revelation, the dream, the vision, where God says, go here, that gets frustrated and never happens. So friends, we have to be alert to how God speaks in these clear ways, but also we need to understand sometimes when they follow circumstances and frustrations where we clearly get blocked. So if you're getting blocked at the moment, don't give up. If you're getting frustrated at the moment, don't give up. If you, if you feel that this plan that you had, which looked all so good, has just got polaxed, don't give up. Because God's still at work. He's not frustrated by anything. He's not shocked or surprised by anything that's happened in your life. And he's still got a dream and a vision to give you. He's still got a goal for you to go through. His will, preaching the gospel, has not changed, but he's just getting ready to get you into position to speak out that goal, to speak out that dream and to set you on your way. Macedonia, today 65% of the population identify as Orthodox Christian. I like that vision. That vision reaped the harvest in that nation. That's what I call history changing and it started because they couldn't get to where they wanted to go. God works through the dreams and the visions. I've written down here, don't resent resentment. Don't get frustrated at frustrations. Instead, seek out how God is guiding you through them because the vision comes. Now here's a more traditional approach and one that perhaps we're more used of, uh, even if most of us might say that's never happened to me. I've never heard God speak like that. But uh, you'll remember the experience earlier in Acts of uh, the apostle uh, of Philip, uh, one of the magnificent seven who were called to look after the feeding program in the Jerusalem church. And... um, Uh, the persecution breaks out in Jerusalem, everyone scatters, Philip goes down to Samaria and then he gets this instruction uh, to start to travel between Jerusalem and Gaza. So God gives him his brief, however it communicates, it says an angel of the Lord said to him, go down to Gaza, go down to Gaza, the traditional enemy territory uh, of the people of God. So Notice the first instruction is just go in that direction. And sometimes we're put on a course, whether it's through circumstances, whether it's through promptings, whether it's through uh, a a word or a vision or a dream, but we're just given a general direction. Walk down there. And many of us have had that sense. I know God has sent me in this direction, but I have no more information. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get there. It's just go that way. And sometimes on the road to Gaza, there's all kinds of moments when we want to say, did I hear that properly? And I just, gee, that's a not, look over, I just might stop off. That's a fantastic, this is a great resort here. I might stop here and There are distractions that come on the road that we are sent down by God. There are all kinds of frustrations and reasons sometimes why we might want to give up, but we've been given our brief. Philip keeps walking. Then he comes across a chariot and the Spirit 
speaks again. And I love what the Spirit says. Go to that chariot and stay near it. Like, you know, he gets nothing more than put yourself in proximity to that. And I want to suggest sometimes, folks, that God is willing and ready to speak a word of proximity to us. That sometimes he will say to us, put yourself in that place. Get close to that person. Be part of that church. Become friends with that, that person. What it, he'll go and take up a position near them because I'm ready to outwork my purposes through you. And I want you to think for a moment how God might be speaking to you right now or has in the past a word of proximity where he said to you, go and be close to that. Go, I've sent you down this road. Now go and, go and be close to them in that occasion. So for those of you who know the story, the chariot was carrying what's called a eunuch from Ethiopia. If you don't know what a eunuch is, I haven't got time for that lesson. Uh, look it up on the internet. It's quite painful, um, uh, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, the reason you were a eunuch is because you were normally in the royal court. So this guy is right up close to the ruling structure of Ethiopia and somehow um, he's reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, he, 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 whether he picked up a book at the market in Jerusalem, <laughs> oh, look at this scroll, it looks fantastic. Who's Isaiah? Let's read it. And he's reading the messianic prophecies that relate to Jesus. And Philip doesn't need no more instruction from the Holy Spirit at that point. Because he knows he's been sent close to this guy. He's reading about Jesus. Philip just says, do you understand what you're reading? How can I understand if no one explains to me? Well, let me tell you the story about the saviour of all the world. And away they go. The uh, eunuchs... Um, gets baptised and uh, then Philip gets taken off somewhere else by the Spirit. The eunuch goes on praising God. And we know from history that the kingdom of Aksum in present day Ethiopia and Eritrea was one of the first Christian countries in the world having officially adopted Christianity as the state religion in the 4th century. Today... 53% of the population of Ethiopia identify as Christian in one branch of the church or another. And that's where it started through this man being told, go there and place yourself near there. So friends, who's interested in changing the destiny of a nation by saying yes to the Holy Spirit here today. Who here is frustrated by frustrations when in fact God is blocking you from certain things so that you can get sent down that path? Because here we see in the Holy Spirit these amazing occurrences from frustration to specific direction, from dreams to the speaking out through long, boring meetings that released Christianity into the globe as opposed to making it stuck in the Jewish population. And so the Holy Spirit outworks the purposes of God through all these circumstances.
So I want to invite you today to consider that. Now, folks, we are moving close to the end of the service, which is going to truncate this last part, but it's going to be good because it's going to be quick. The spirit-filled life affects many things. I want to take you through this and we'll conclude with this. Firstly, it affects our prayers. Uh, Peter and the apostles are threatened with flogging and told not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. This is the prayer they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They don't pray, save us from our circumstances, save us from these threats, but instead they say in light of them, increase our boldness so that we might not shrink back in our preaching of the word. The spirit-filled life and the knowledge that the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us emboldens our prayers, firstly. Secondly, it touches our influence and our suffering. Uh, The Apostle Paul, you recall looking at Acts chapter 14, so this comes before that effective ministry into the region of Macedonia and the others. Uh, It says in Acts chapter 14, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. I'm figuring it was a pretty good stoning because they thought he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and refused to preach any further about the love of Jesus because of the stoning. No, he got up and went back into the city And the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Don't blame them, but they're moving on in that journey that results in the conversion and the impact in Macedonia and other places. So when we believe that even in good stoning, God is still at work and guiding us, it influences the way that we view pain and suffering. The Apostle Paul got up and moved on. Uh, Earlier, Kathy mentioned about praying through groaning and uh, the Bible actually likes a bit of a chat about groaning and I want to share this with you. This is an amazing couple of verses where the word groan gets three goes. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Creation groans, we groan, the Spirit groans. Now, I don't know about you, but we don't instantly think of groaning as a ministry of the Holy Spirit. Who's a good groaner? Jude, are you going to testify? I perfected, I perfected the art of groaning. You want a groaning contest? We should measure our groans and get sponsored a dollar per day to support uh, Graceworks Myanmar and I would raise the most money. But even through that frustration, even through that groaning, uh, God, you know, is their sense of seeking something better, of wanting to move forward, the Spirit's even at work through that, in that groaning through our experience. A colleague of mine, uh, 
uh, talked about how he went with his wife to the uh, pregnancy classes. Who's done that, chaps? Who's been to a pregnancy class before their baby was born with their wife? Raise your hands. I want to see them. Good on you, fellas. You are real men. And you get in there and they're talking about what the wife's going to go through and you're sitting there saying, thank you, Jesus. I'm never going to get pregnant. But uh, he was telling me how he, he heard about the, the instructor talked about there's good pain and there's bad pain. And he's thinking, I'm a man, there's only one type of pain. It's all bad. But it was interesting and he never forgot that phrase, good pain and bad pain. What's the difference? Well, I guess when it comes to pregnancy, it's got to have to do with where we're going through that pain. What the outcome is. What results from this pain. That makes all the difference. Because if our outcome and our goal is Jesus, if we are heading towards his presence, then it, it, it casts our pain in a different light. Our groaning takes on almost a prophetic dimension. We're, we're talking about where we're headed. I heard it said once that before a baby is born, it's stuck. It's stuck. But then comes release and new life. And then the pain subsides and the goal of that whole pregnancy process results in a beautiful child. And we start thinking differently about our pain because of what's come. And friends, the truth is, it's very much so when it comes to the things that we experience in our life, the the groaning and the pain and suffering that go either directly accompanied to the preach of the gospel or just as we outwork ourselves and try to do what we believe God is leading us to do, it's a future that we see that's ahead of us that gives us that context and that ability to go through it. Final scripture before we pray. Um, The book of Acts ends with uh, what is considered by some, and Barnes is a literary expert, some have said the shipwreck story in Acts 27 and 28 is the greatest shipwreck story ever told in literature. And it's really good reading. You know, if you didn't read it, go back and read Acts 27 28. Fantastic read. Paul and this bunch of prisoners are on this ship in a storm for 14 days. <laughs> they were in bad weather. They didn't eat for the whole time or most of it. And they only made it onto shore after the ship broke into pieces. But somehow God had promised that everyone on that boat would get on alive. They all made it. They all swam and, and, and got there. And they landed on an island called Malta. Everyone, everyone heard of Malta? Maltese falcon? And they're on this island and, well, you know, what do you do? Make a fire. They're putting a fire together and this poisonous snake latches itself onto Paul's hand. And by this time, I'm thinking stoning that nearly killed him, floggings in every city, uh, a shipwreck where 
I nearly die. And now that stake is on my head. Like, does it ever finish? Does it ever end? But then Paul, just believing that God is working in and through his circumstances, stretch out his hand over the fire and shakes it. I guess when a snake's on your hand, if you put it over the fire, it gets hot and drops off. Is that what happened? Has this ever happened to anyone here? And the people's attitude towards him changes. They're thinking, oh, wow. In fact, they start calling him a god after saying that he was cursed. And it opens a door for Paul to do this ministry. And it says in Acts 28, 7 and 9, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He ran the place. He welcomed us to his home, showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul might have thought, I heard this happening before when Peter, uh, when Jesus healed Peter's mum. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. Boom. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Today, Malta is estimated to be 98% Catholic. And its patron saint is Paul. And you know, here's this man, bat stoned to within an inch of his life, shipwrecked and latched upon by a snake. But he's on his way to Rome where the spirits told him he's going to preach. And on the way there, they're going to do blessing. They're going to do good and preach the word of God. And the history and the future of our entire people group is changed because of this willingness. Friends, if I can leave you with any thought today, it's simply this. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life and in the life of this church and in the life of this community. Whatever the census may or may not say, the purposes of God will be achieved. There are more Christians in Australia today than there were 100 or 200 or 300 years ago. Whatever the movement and the waxing and waning is going on, God is moving forward. And I want to encourage you that whatever is going on in your life, God is at work today. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for the witness and the ministry and the mission that is revealed through the book of Acts that your servant Luke faithfully recorded for us. And Father, I thank you for the reality and the truth that you are leading and guiding your church and us here today. Lord, I thank you firstly and I want to pray Lord for all of those people here who perhaps came to church today struggling to believe that God was at work in their circumstances. Maybe they're sensing a blocking or a frustration. Maybe there's a long stretch of boredom or mundaneness. Maybe they're being cause to doubt your effectiveness at work in this nation as well as in their own life. But Lord, I want to pray for everyone here today who has experienced doubt and frustration and circumstances that they don't understand and pain and suffering. Even they might be groaning now inwardly. Help! Heal me! Help us! And Lord, the Spirit is 
praying through them now as they even intercede to you at this very moment in time. I want to pray that they sense that you are here, that you're with them, that you are at work in their lives and in the life of this church and this community and this nation and in this world. Lord, encourage them here this morning. Father, for the rest of us, Lord, help us to be attentive to the way that you prompt, the way that you speak. Help us not to be put off by circumstances, not to be turned back by suffering, but instead to interpret everything through the move of God in our life and in the lives around us. Lord, help us not to give in to frustration. Help us to remain hope-filled and believing in the move of your spirit in us and in others around us and in our church and our community, Father. Lord, touch our hearts today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, just looking at our time today, this is how I want to finish, if that's okay. I want to invite you all to stand to your feet and I just want to ask us to sing the song that the team has prepared. And then for those who would like prayer, we're going to do that after we close our service officially just over here. But before we do that, I want to gather together. The team selected this song, Build My Life. And I want us to sing it in light of what we've just heard from the book of Acts. I want us to sing it in light of the example of the Apostle Paul who was turned back and turned away and redirected, but God led him to change lives in an eternal sense. And I want us to find our place in the purposes of God here this morning. I want us all to be encouraged as we sing this song together now. Thank you, team.